Welcome to the Roots Revival podcast. Roots Revival is a midweek worship service from Centenary United Methodist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, grounded in Americana, roots-based music, contemplation, and community. We invite you to participate with us in celebration of song and word. I want to welcome you all here this evening. It's great to see you. Um, Take this off for a moment. I'm going to be extra careful with all this Omicron stuff going around. But uh, it is great to see you. We're glad you're here. We're going to take every precaution to make sure everybody is safe while you're here. Um, we will be going out to dinner this evening, but we will be eating outside again. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to go into a restaurant. I don't even like going in stores. I don't even like coming here that much, but I have to because I get paid to. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, all right. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say things like that, should I? <laughs> oh, but you all know me by now. Um, it is great to see you, and we pray that this evening you will receive a blessing. If you have um, not signed in, I invite you to register with our um, attendance pads, um, especially if you have changed an address or you have information you want to share with one of the pastors on staff. If there are prayer requests, we will be praying for them late, uh, a little bit later in the service, and I'll ask for those as um, that time comes. And I think I'm done. I'm going to turn up the choir.
please stand and sing with us. for our call to worship. We look for light, but find darkness, for brightness, but walk in gloom. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. If I say, let only darkness cover me and the light about me be night, the night is not as dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Blessed be your name, O God, forever. You reveal deep and mysterious things. You are light and in you is no darkness. Our darkness is passing away and already the true light is shining. Please repeat after me. Amen.
At Roots, we both sing and speak our prayers. And uh, I do have one request tonight. Uh, Dan and Mary Dwight shared some very sad news. Uh, their son-in-law's niece passed away uh, from COVID. She was only 31, and she leaves behind a husband and a 13-month-year-old son. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, I've had this mess. Some of you have had it as well. I thank God that it was just like a cold, but it still sucks the energy out of you. I don't, <laughs> I don't have my, uh, I'm not sure how much zip I had at my age anymore, but I don't have any zip, or at least the zip I had before. Um, it is serious stuff. Let us protect one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's love one another. The other prayers, concerns I want to lift up to you is we've, many of you probably, as we do, have family that are traveling. We've got Mary Jack's oldest son and daughter-in-law, or actually daughter-in-law-to-be, who will be traveling uh, by flight uh, tomorrow, Friday, Friday. And uh, also, um, Allie is driving back to uh, New York and Boston on Friday as well. There may be others. Are there other concerns, prayer concerns, or praises you would have and share tonight? Oh, wait, wait a minute. Oh, wait. Good. Which is far better than where we were two months ago. So yes. thank you guys. Great. Amen. Good. <laughs> Sounds like a dulcimer. Lee, did you bring your dulcimer? Gracious Lord, we come to you in the stillness of the night. We come to you and after the great celebration of Christmas. And Lord, we, we come seeking your presence. Many of us experience a letdown after Christmas. Uh, they say that it's not just us, but it's common in our society that there's a dark isn't it oppression that falls upon people? But Lord, I, as we read tonight, your darkness, or rather your light comes into our darkness. And your light overwhelms and shines in the midst of the things in our lives that are unpleasant, that are hard, that are difficult. And you show us the way through. You give us the strength to keep climbing 
You help us see the light at the end of the tunnel. You encourage us by saying, I am with you, my child. You will never be alone. That is the wonder of the incarnation and the birth of the one whom we call the Christ child. That is the message of Jesus, that he came and he is with us to this day through the power and the wonder of the Holy Spirit and through the power of the resurrection. Lord, I pray that you would hold us tonight. You'd open our hearts and our eyes and our minds for what you would give us as we entrust our lives into your hands. Locks were sleeping, shepherds keeping vigil till the morning ourselves, but allow it to shine through our lives. May we become vessels of life for those around us. Lord, we think specifically for Mary and Diane and their family. We think of this husband and this young child. Lord, watch over them. Surround them in their darkness. Overwhelm them with your love. Bring peace to their broken hearts. And Lord, we pray for all who travel in this season. Keep them safe. Watch over them. Help us in the midst of this pandemic to be patient and kind to one another. Help us to hold firm to our desire to care for one another and to keep not only ourselves, but all those around us safe. Hold us, Lord Jesus. Come to us, for indeed, you do greet us in the morning, and you are there in the evening, and you watch over us through the night. Infant holy, infant share the peace of Christ in any manner that seems comfortable and safe for you. It's got to be drawn. 
you would open our hearts and our minds, our eyes, our spirits to receive what you might give us tonight. It may be nothing that I say. It may not be within the songs that we have sung. It may be something that you have been stirring within us for days or weeks, something that's been gnawing on us, something that we have been resistant to hear. Help us receive whatever gift you have for us tonight as we entrust our lives in this world and all we hold dear into your hands. Amen. <clears throat> our scripture comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, and this is from the Common English Bible. Now when John heard in prison about the things that Christ was doing, he sent word by his disciples to Jesus asking, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Jesus responded, Go report to John what you hear and see. Those who are blind are able to see. Those who are crippled are walking. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who were deaf now hear. Those who were dead are raised up. The poor have good news proclaimed to them. And happy are those who don't stumble and fall of me. You know, as I said at the beginning of the service, I'm amazed at how quickly Christmas seems to end. At least it does for me. I don't know if it does for you, but it, 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 there's this buildup and it's like the balloon continues to expand and grow. And then on Christmas morning, it's like you take a, a pin and you pop it and it just kind of blows all over the place willy-nilly and it's fun and exciting. And then it to the ground. I realize that, you know, that their church calendar says Christmas is not over. But golly, the trees are gone. They were here and, and they're gone. It's like the poinsettias are gone. I mean, it's like, it, 
The, the church calendar says we have until January 6th, the beginning of Epiphany, to celebrate Christmas. And that's over a week away. It's next Thursday. I mean, there is such a buildup to Christmas. And, and much of it, I think, is cultural and social. The music on the radio, I won't name that, that station. That was my competitor when I worked in the radio industry. We tried to sell it as a format change. Didn't work. People love that stuff. But now it starts in October, at least back then. Of course, this was 20 years ago. It started um, after Thanksgiving. This decorations in the stores. I mean, they were putting up Christmas decorations uh, in some places. Actually, Carolina Beach before Halloween was even over. It's like, wait a minute. We've got... And, and this, this it, it, we build up, we anticipate, but after all the build up, it just seems to be over. Sometimes as quickly as the gifts under the tree are unwrapped. I suspect our expectations, experiences, and family traditions play a, a major role in how we celebrate Christmas. In fact, I, I know it's true as well as how we understand the workings and the meaning of the season. I mean, my mom loved Christmas. One of the things Allie and I were talking about over the holidays is just how crazy my mom went. I mean, she, she wouldn't have just one tree was not enough. She had to have two. And sometimes there was a third small one tucked away somewhere. And, and one of those trees was white with red lights. It was very garish. Garish, what's is that, isn't that the word? I thought it was, she thought it was but I'm like, oh, come on, please, Mom. And she put it right in the front window so everyone could see it. It's like that leg lamp in the Christmas story. Oh, and, and the decorations. I mean, the house was filled with lights and candles. I mean, she loved decorating for Christmas, and it was done really as soon as Thanksgiving ended. These decorations, traditions, and celebrations of my family home we're actually more in line with uh, Santa Claus or St. Nick or St. Nicholas understanding of Christmas, which might add to the idea in some respects that Christmas ends in the, the culmination of our celebrations on the 25th, unfortunately. But the, the story of St. Nicholas is, is really a wonderful story. He lived, he was a bishop in the late 3rd, early 4th century. He was a man who had tremendous wealth at one time and gave away his wealth. He gave it to specifically children who were poor and who were in desperate need. There are numbers of stories of how he did this thing. And, and this is really where the, the story of St. Nicholas and eventually Santa Claus comes from. He also had a deep fondness for sailors. And to this day, the, the, the feast day of St. Nicholas, which I think is December 6th, is he is the patron saint of children and sailors, which may explain the song we sing, uh, what is it, uh, We Saw Three Ships. I've never got that song. Glenn talked about it on, on Christmas morning. I thought it did really well, but it's like, ships in Bethlehem, really? So maybe this is part of it. I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad tradition. Nor is it, I think, in my mind, really incongruent with our more Christ-focused celebrations, at least from my experience, because mainly 
the central focus of Christmas, whether we're talking about the coming of God and the Christ child, or whether we're talking about the gifts that St. Nicholas left, were gifts of love for those indeed. And sadly, this most central theme, the deepest meaning of our celebrations, can become obscured no matter where we begin our focus, whether it is St. Nick or the Christ child. The primary and most essential gift of Christmas is love. That's why I'm wearing bib overalls tonight. These are not my uh, normal attire. You've never seen me in them. Um, but they are a gift from my, my beloved, Mary Jack. As you know, she lives on a, a small farm. And, and I did ask for them. Um, I sensed her surprise when I actually put them on the day after Christmas. She's like, you're actually going to wear those? <laughs> of course I am. I wore them all day. I'm wearing them right now. I mean, I wouldn't ask for something that I didn't want to wear. I mean, you, the people, when we share our lives, we do things that lift their spirits, that show these people that we say we love through our actions. We help them ease their, their load or their burden by sharing in the work of our lives together and our efforts to make all of our lives better. It's interesting, though, that is also the message of the one we call the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, isn't it? What did he say? I've come to give sight to the blind, help those who cannot walk, walk, to bring healing, to bring truth, to bring peace, to bring restoration, to bring hope. I feel that the message of the coming of the one we call the Christ has been obscured sometimes by our romanticizing of the traditions of his birth. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, is not a story about God doing something for us in some personalized interpretation that helps us focus on ourselves to say, oh, now that God is here, I can feel better at me, about me because God is going to forgive my sin I mean, I grew up in a tradition that said, oh, you can act like a whatever during the week. But if you came forward and you prayed and you repented, by golly, it's all good. Hogwash. Humbug. That's not why Jesus came. God comes to us in the person of Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's love. Because God's desire is to restore our connection to the love that God drives God and calls us to walk into and be a part of his creative force that our world is so sorely and deeply missing with all of this focus and this fuss on my rights and my needs. And oh, it's all about me and I'm an only child and I'm sick of it. You'd think I'd be like, hey, this is great. This is my time. It's not about me. It's not about my rights or your rights individually. It's about how we are connected to one another through this one who was born, who came to bring hope and healing and restoration for all the world. The coming of God and the birth of Jesus is about God's desire to 
help us understand the most healing, the most restorative, life-fulfilling gifts are how we share our lives with others through kindness, compassion, mercy, and understanding. And in doing so, both the one who receives and the one who gives are forever changed. But so much has gotten in our way. It seems to have started quickly within our human experience of Emmanuel, God with us, and in Jesus' ministry. These verses in Matthew we heard this evening are really quite curious, maybe even a little unsettling. I mean, they tell us John the Baptist, this is Jesus' cousin, the one who leapt for joy inside of his mother Elizabeth's womb when Mary showed up announcing the news that she was to bear the Son of God. This is the one who, when Jesus came to him in the wilderness to be baptized, said, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the one that in the writings of John's gospel said, he must become greater and I must become less. I could go on, but I think you get the point. Jesus was at one time pretty sure, or John rather, was at one time pretty sure that Jesus was the one, that he was the Messiah, the one who had come to reconnect our lives within the love of God. But now John hears about the things that Jesus is doing, so he sends word by his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who we thought was coming, that we expected, but, but, or do we need to keep looking? I mean, th those words are really interesting. They're kind of funny. I mean, this is John the Baptist. Are you the one that we anticipated, that we hoped for, that we, we believed in, and now the stuff you're doing doesn't quite measure up with what we thought or expected or hoped, so maybe we need to keep looking. Is that the case? Hmm. I mean, what is that all about? It seems to me that John was just like us, that John had perceptions and understandings of who Jesus was and, and, and what Jesus and God were supposed to do, and, and they didn't always line up with what God actually does. We all want to put God in a box, don't we? We want a nice, neat, controllable God and a nice, neat, controllable Savior. Even if it's a gift box, but it's still one of our own design and choosing. I think John and the people of Israel, I think humanity has always figured it was mostly about us. We assume that Jesus came to be our own personal Messiah, Messiah who would give us what we wanted, maybe rather than what we truly needed. I wonder, Mayor Jack, when I talk about this, because I've told this story, I wonder how many of you remember the time or, and the story I told you about maybe the one Christmas gift that I, I remembered above all other. All other. All other. Do, you, do you remember that? Anybody? What's that? Was it the bicycle? No, it was a football. I wanted a, I mean, I grew up in Canton, Ohio, and I mean, I went to the Hall of Fame. We would ride our bikes there, so bikes are involved. Um, it, but I wanted a registered, official, the real deal, NFL game day football. And back in 1970-something, when I got it as a 13-year-old, those things were 50 bucks. I can't imagine how much they cost now. 
that was a ton of money because you could buy a football, just a plain old leather football for like 10 bucks. I wanted the real deal. And I, I mean, I asked for this. Oh, I wanted this. And I got it. It was one of the last gifts under the tree that year. And as I began to think about, why did I want this gift so badly? What was that all about? And I began thinking about it and reflecting upon these words of John the Baptist. And in looking back, the primary reason I wanted it was to prove that, that I and my best friend at the time, Scott Lordson, were better at playing football than Brett Parker and Louis Delgado in our two-on-two games. Louis, we used to call him Stonehand. Louis couldn't catch a ball if he had to. He was a really nice guy, but anything is we never switch teams. Scott said, no, it's got to be, we got to be together. We're friends, so it's, it's you two. It's either us and you together playing a game or we don't play at all. But, and I look at this great football. Don't you want to play with this football? This is awesome. Oh, my gosh, what a brat I was. <laughs> the football didn't make us any better. We just wanted to show them up on a regular basis. And this football, I guess, in my mind was visible proof of something or something like that, that, that we were truly maybe better than them. As I think about it now, I'm actually kind of saddened. Because I am sure that gift, it was expensive. I mean, back then, 50 bucks was a lot of money. It still is. And... Um, my mom loved giving gifts. It was one of the ways she showed love. It was a gift of love that I used and twisted it to do something else. And I look back on it now and it makes me sad. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I, I hope we all do. We, we try to give gifts and be kind to people, giving them things that we not only hope they want, but something they need and, and something that will encourage them and, and lift their hearts and spirits. And, and, and many times, it's not just the physical thing, but it's, it's the way we give it and how we care for them and the way that we treat them and how we engage them that truly makes that a gift of love. It didn't take me very long as a kid to figure out the stuff under the tree no matter how beautifully wrapped they were in my mom was an amazing gift wrapper. Allie can tell you, oh my gosh. She used to never want us to rip open the, because the, the, the ribbons were works of art. Now don't, don't be careful, careful, careful. You, you had to carefully unwrap it because she would save those and, and try to recreate them. And I realized that no matter how beautifully wrapped or what it was under the tree, they could never give me something that I already had if I only knew it. You see, during the Christmas of season, I mean, the season of Christmas, rather. We are asked to be awakened again to the gift of God's love, which is always present in our lives. And I think one of the things that has struck me is that over the years, I have become or experienced a sense of sadness because I realize that more often than not, that, that gets lost in all of the other stuff we do at Christmas. All of the other things that we do and we many times lose sight of the, because of the expectations and the layers of meaning and intention that we place around the gift of Emmanuel. I think it's why I was, when I was a teenager, started when I was probably around 16, I had come to faith that fall. And I um, began going out on Christmas Eve our house would be a flurry of activity. It would be 
my mom cooking and last minute gifts and music playing and candles and lights. It really was beautiful. I mean, I, I, and the fire, oh, the fire was burning because Ohio it's cold. And I can't remember too many Christmases that weren't white. And I would go out and I would walk the neighborhood in the still of the night. Many times it would even be snowing just to see the newly fallen snow, just to see the lights, just to be out in the midst of it, in the quiet, in the wonder. And as I continued to do that, even into young adulthood, I became very much aware that sometimes stuff going on in the house, it looked pretty, but it wasn't always pretty. There was undercurrents of things and disagreements and tension and stress and yuck. And I knew that no matter how beautiful the snow was that kind of covered all this stuff, that stuff was still back there. It's still underneath everything that the snow tries to hide. It's beautiful, and it covers the landscapes of our lives with a pristine covering that doesn't take away what's beneath. And I think this is why Jesus' response to John is so striking. Because in essence, he tells his cousin, as well as us, that I have come for more than your expectation. I have come to open the eyes of all who are blind so that they begin to see and help each of us understand that as we help one another back upon our feet and realize their struggles do not exclude them from God's love, or nor should it from yours. His words tell me that there are many who feel no one sees them or see, hears them, they feel as if they are ghosts walking around, and he has come to raise them back to life. And he's asked us to do the same by bestowing value upon them, by seeing them and by hearing them, not to look at them and to size them up based upon their status of their education or possessions or position, but simply to see them as someone whom God has bestowed the gift of love from Emmanuel upon. This may not sound like something that you were taught to do at Christmas. It wasn't what I was taught either. But it's what I've come to understand that this season is really all about. It's what I've come to believe is the true gift of the, the Christ child, the one who continues to walk with me and you, as well as all of us who are God's children. And I want to end with one last story. As I was thinking about this, and I've told you this story before, it's, it was one of the most heart-shaking moments of my, my career as a minister. I would tutor at Bolton Elementary with third graders, helping them get to, to grade level. Did this for six or seven years in a row at, at uh, Wesley when I was appointed there. The last year in the fall, actually the spring of 2018 before I was moved here, I was working with a little boy. He said, call me Abdo when I met him, Abdo. And I said, but what's your real name? Abdullah Majan. And I said, okay. So you're going to call you Abdullah Majan? He goes, it's easier just to say Abdu, isn't it? And I said, it is. And I said, but I'll call you Abdullah Majan. He goes, no, it's good. It's good. And I saw him grow and blossom as a reader. And oh, what a sweet spirit. And in the spring of the year, we were reading a worksheet. And it talked about the melting pot of religious faith in our society. And Abdo had brown skin. He was from Saudi Arabia, and his family practiced Islam. We talked a little bit about that. 
And as they, they read this reader, they talked about Jewish people and Christian people and the various types of Christian people. They didn't mention anything about those who are of the Islamic faith in our society. It was pretty clear to me, and I asked them, I said, is anything missing? He said, yeah. And I said, what? He goes, me. I said, how do you feel about that? He goes, in these words, they haunt me. He said, why do people who look like you hate people who look like me? I mean, he was a sweet, tender little boy, and I just wanted to, I wanted to hold him and tell him I do love you, but you can't do that in the schools. But I wanted to. I just wanted to gather him up and say, oh, my God, you are precious. And, and where did he learn this stuff? as a third grader. Jesus has come for more than your and my expectations. He tells, I have come to open the eyes of all who are blind so they begin to see, to help all of us understand the gift that we have been given is something that must be shared and that as we help one another get back up on our feet, we realize that neither of us has to struggle and none of us are excluded from any of God's love. And that we all must be kind and gracious to one another. This is what the world needs. This is the gift we both need to receive and share. This is the gift of Emmanuel. God is with us. Let us seek to share this gift and teach one another how to do it. Martha sings the benediction. Um, two things. 
want you to also remember Pat. He's going to be traveling back and forth to Indiana to continue to care for his family. Pray for Martha because she's going to miss him like crazy. Um, watch over them and keep them safe. And all those who would like to join us for dinner afterwards, we're going to go to 4th Street and we're going to sit outside.